The example of service. Next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Ours is a service culture for the most part. Even sadder still, we all long to be served rather than picking up an apron to serve. Yet as we'll see today, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, left us a marvelous example of what it means to truly love someone, to truly love Jesus, and to truly serve Him. That is by serving others. Therein, we find true happiness. Won't you join us? This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard back in John chapter 13. Here's Pastor Phil now with today's broadcast. I think of what we often hear statistically that 20% of the people give 80% of the money. And we, I hated that statistic, but I've seen it. They never learned to be systematic. Or they went to something they just, they never knew. They don't know anything about giving. So they're not giving very much. And we find that's the same way with service in this church. It's about 20% that do 80% of the work. And sometimes they do three or four different tasks. And the others of you look so rested. And, and, and you just, uh, you fill out evaluation form. Well, I, I didn't like that. They didn't do a good job there. Where were you on that team? Oh, I, I critique. I turn in reports. You know, I'm here to be served. You, you do know that, don't you? If I don't like your nursery, nursery, I'll find another church. You do know that's modern church, don't you? Now, don't come just hear me preach. We've got the best uh, diaper changers in the world in our nursery. I noticed they were a little slack on the powder today. My kid needs it. Well, your kid stinks so bad. This is called user-friendly talk. We're trying to figure out the parking lot. We can't grow it until we figure out our parking lot because you see our building's not full, but our parking lot's full all the time. We've got to figure out how to do that. The only way we'll be able to do it is some of us, including me, we can't bring two to three cars to a service. Carolyn drives one, I drive one, Erica drives one. Hey, we got a parking problem. Could all of you guys ride together? Well, that'd be sacrifice. I don't want to be put out. You know, I am somebody. I didn't know it until you told me a hundred times. Because you get this serve. And I think generationally older people will always say, man, these kids just want to be carried. You know, I hated it when my dad was rained out. Worked iron work. And if he got rained out, that's where I learned to fry an egg. Because, you know, he said, he set a, a table, read his Bible, not move. Philip, fry me some eggs. I, I remember 6th Street. I don't know how. Well, I want to end that right now. But I don't want to know how. You're going to know how. Because then we've been rained off for a week. David's gone. Bruce's gone to school. And little baby of the family, you're going to learn to fry eggs because I ain't moving. Go. They called it child abuse. Because, man, when he came home, get this, get that. I put in my work today. I'm not coming home for me to wait on a bunch of kids. This is daddy's house. And daddy's been working all day, climbing steel. Grab a clue. And then still we get a generation, honey, did you want me to do that? Well, are you in shape? I'll have to walk with you to it, huh? 
Well, because they haven't learned to serve, haven't learned to earn their way. Just live off your parents and tell them they didn't do a good job raising you. It's a culture. Culturally, people aren't taught to be servants. That's beneath them. They're taught you're worth a lot. You ought to be served. And it comes right over in church life. That the bigger you get, the more services we're expected to provide. We never answer this question, who does the work? Who pays the bill? You mean that cost? It cost in time. It cost in money. And it cost in somebody making their body available. And so, uh, he's telling us to be like Jesus is self-chosen unless you take this, I'm going to think like him. Uh, the culture will shape your thinking. Third thing, uh, when you think like Jesus, this is so simple, I, I hate to call it a point. Uh, when you're a stooping servant, you will meet needs nobody else will even touch. And we're in the room. Uh, where, where's the servant? I can see the 12. There were, there's no nominations, no answer. Come on, Judas, you got the money bag. Go out and pay somebody to come up here and wash feet. Oh, no, he's stuffing it in his pocket. He's already made a deal. And Jesus said, I'm going to meet the most obvious need in the room that nobody's humble enough to meet. I'm so sick of so many guys got to get reverend in front of their name. Reverend my foot. What they need in front of their name is a servant of Jesus Christ, a slave bought by the Savior. Cut out the reverend. When did the Bible say, call us men reverend? When did we start deserving reverence? That's reserved for God. And you read those epistles, Paul, an apostle by the will of God and servant of Jesus Christ. Jude, the brother of Jesus, but first I'm a slave of Christ. Besides that, I'm his brother. I'm his half-brother. I grew up in the same house. Why don't you change in your card a slave of a noble master? I was convicted a while back in my office. I got all my degrees because there's a lot of doubt whether I ever got them. And so I have to put them on display. But I just heard Dr. John Piper recently. He said, I have never put my degrees on display. I graduated from uh, Germany from a school, this school. I've got earned doctors. He's brilliant. I've got them all put in a drawer. I've got them all undercover because I'm just a pastor. And I'm just a slave. I don't care if you ever know my degrees. That's not my credential. My credential, have you become conquered by Christ to become his slave? There's your credential. And if you're really conquered, we'll hear water every once in a while. You're washing somebody's feet. You're doing it spirit. You'll be meeting with someone to encourage them. You'll be uh, trying to strengthen a brother. Oh, oh, I remember when we went to Garrison School. Do you remember Garrison, any of you? Uh, there's just a few here that really know, been around. We're over there, and we had to clean up that school. We thought we'd hit the millennium. We thought we were going to get to buy it. And so we jumped in there, this whole church. We carpeted. We cleaned. We painted. We did Because we've got all this space coming from Holy Ghost Hall to that. We said, man, we've got space. 
And I tell you, it's moving to go around and watch dignified women in this church on their knees cleaning the toilets, cleaning the urinals, painting, scrubbing, dignified women on their knees. And hallelujah, I get to help us move in. All this free labor. And the school district gave us seven months free rent because of all the sweat labor. I'm impressed when I see service. God's impressed. I was kind of kidding. Dave, my wife, came home from our national day of prayer, and she was on the uh, cleanup crew, and a lot of our staff was helping pull off that day. And so she's in the kitchen with Odie and other women, and they're doing all the dishes from uh, serving our mayor and different officials in the city, and uh, they're having a great time. And when Carolyn comes home, it's very interesting. She said, boy, you won't believe who I did dishes with today. I said, no telling. She said, Big Dave, he and I work next to each other. I'm more impressed with that than that he's going to get a doctorate pretty soon. Because a doctorate without a servant heart will do the church no good. Will you wash dirty feet? I think when we started Valley. But when you start a church, there's nobody you can delegate you have no deacons. They don't have a board. You don't have a church. You hope somebody sews up. In those early days, we had 48 chairs. Finally got up to 220, something like that. And that old dance hall before we bought it was used for dances and stuff. So Carolyn did the spraying. She had to set up for a Sunday school class in the foyer. My sister Hazel taught some other place. And then we sprayed, we set up the chairs. Sunday night, you preach, you've got to fold all the chairs back up. And you didn't just sit around and just say, man, I hope someone's got the gift. I, somebody's got the gift to gift my foot. We've got you, don't we? Well, Lord, and call me to fold chairs. Well, I am. Do it. I was at youth camp one year, and the preacher was telling all of us kids to... Uh, clean up the grounds, and he said, hey, hey, Howard, get to going. I said, God's called me to preach. I was messing with him. He said, well, I'm calling you to rake leaves, and you better get with it. And he's big. He could handle me. You see, you'll do whatever it takes, whatever it takes. And to be like Jesus, you might be meeting needs nobody else would even touch, like nursery, Sunday school, usury. How about our security men? Are you aware of how many hours our men put on security Wednesday nights, uh, Tuesday nights, Thursday night? Because we've got Awana, we've got junior high, we've got senior. We've got a security guy or two on duty every one of those nights to see our cars are not broken into and our kids are not hurt. Thank God for the security men. Not even, not even packing a Bible. Ernie and Bob been doing ushering for so long. They're here, Johnny, on the spot with the other people, Sunday school. We can't have what we have unless someone steps forward and takes the towel of a servant. And many of you have. Well, two more things. To be like Jesus is to minister to people who will most likely be dirty. Spiritually. In them. And... Uh, 
You know, there's nothing that stinks up a church any worse than dirty feet. People whose lives are dirty from this world that have never got the sin and the muck washed out. They've not been cleansed. It's what makes church life stink. A bunch of dirty saints who haven't come to Christ to confess sin and repent and have him cleanse them. You know, if you don't bathe regularly, we're just talking with some men about being in the military, how bad it is for a soldier's feet to go. If his feet go, his career's over. And um, are you willing to help get saints clean? Now, now let me tell you, there's some of you willing, but you've got a problem. The, all the water you pour is boiling hot. You've got to get the right temperature. Some of you, you say you're restoring me. I say you're burning me. There is an art to washing feet. Some of you are like throwing ice water on my feet. You've got to learn to get the temperature right if you're going to wash feet. You've got to know how to... I know some people in the body, they could really bless you if they were not so obnoxious. I mean, they come on like gangbusters. They come, boom. I don't know. Don't you all do this? When I get a new doctor, the first thing I judge, I want to see if he's treating me like a number, if he's going to be abrupt, treat me like a dummy. I'm ready to fire him before he's even said, ah. Because I want more than medicine. I want a bedside manner. And in this ministry to one another, yes, we all need cleansing. And I think this is the fifth thing, and this is hard. You may never uh, get any gratitude from those you serve. Would you still do it? There's nobody in that upper room that was applauding Jesus. I mean, come on. They all bail out. They all leave him. Would you be willing to invest your life in helping people if you knew they may leave you eventually? You see, there's no safe risk to loving people. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee when you have children. Have you found that out? They may love you. They may not. They may write. They may not. They may call. They may not. Would you have still had them? And some of you would have to think on it long and hard. They better be glad they got here. It doesn't matter. Marriage, it's risky. Who wants to go and have your heart broken? Give your heart totally and within two years file for divorce. That is not fun for anybody. It's pain. He said, but I really did love them. Don't, no doubt. But they didn't love you. Whatever. And here Christ is taking on the role of a servant, washing the feet of dirty men, and not one man in that room will be any strength. He can't even keep them away when he goes across the Kidron Valley and he goes into a place called Gethsemane. Not one man can stay awake with him during the hour of his trial. Are you sure you want to serve these kind of people? Jesus said, I'm not only going to serve them, I'm going to make them the foundation stones of a church I'm getting ready to build. And I would say, Lord, are you sure? He said, I'm sure. 
I'm showing them how deep my love will go. I will love them to the point of the cross, and after the cross, I'll send them the help they don't have now. They need the Holy Spirit, or they're never going to be faithful to me. And you wouldn't either. Because you're bailing out with a lot less pressure than they face those 24 hours. We do good, folks. They do good. We make serving God so hard because we're so whiny. What if your Savior, you saw him kill within 24 hours? I'd like to ask you this. What would you like to be on your resume if you were Peter? I pastored a large church. I made a great salary. Uh, Or would you like it to be on your resume? I stood with Jesus in the shadows of a cross, and I washed his feet when no one else volunteered, and I stayed awake all night with him and prayed just before they executed him. He lost the opportunity of a lifetime. And I have to say this. I thought about preaching. I was talking to Carol on the way to church. I I love church history. I love revivals. But what do you do when you're not in a revival? Spurgeon, when he went to London, the place exploded. He took a church of 100, and within the matter of two years, he's running five, 10,000 at 21 years of age. Well, we have never had that kind of explosion. What am I going to do, Jesus, if you don't send revival? Keep faithful. Keep preaching. Keep praying. Keep awake. Keep alert. Don't take your eyes off of me. And preach through a dry season in this era of America being given over by God to our sin. I'm told to preach in the days of our decline. Keep, where are the souls? I'm just hoping the saints will keep hanging on. So, how do you stoop? How do you serve? I, um, I did a, uh, a men's conference a few years back for uh, Harvest Fellowship and Calvary Chapels of Southern Cal. And I was with the guy that works for Greg Laurie and Harvest Fellowship. And he was taking me to this conference down by San Diego, the Bible College for Calvary uh, Chapels. And so he's taking me down there. John Collins is his name. And he was taking me there. And uh, I was one of the speakers for this large men's conference. And uh, he's telling me about different things. And all of a sudden, he pulls up on the college campus. And he's telling me all about the school, the churches. And all of a sudden, we're just driving through. He's taking me to my room. And he said, you see that guy right there? And I said, yeah. I said, that's the gardener. He said, no, that's Chuck Smith. I said, not the Chuck Smith. He said, Chuck Smith, 80 years old. Uh, 80 degree weather that day. It was Saturday. What's he doing? Oh, he comes and does the gardening for the campus. Well, he's the president, right? He, he started 1,200 churches out of the Calvary Chapel movement, right? He owns a $100 million radio broadcast system, right? I said, who is it? He said, it's Chuck Smith. 
He does this all the time. You just see him working the grounds. I said, well, he ought to be in an executive office with his feet up on the desk. He said, no, he just loves to do this. On his knees, he was gardening, doing some stuff. Dr. John Walford wrote all of his books at 5 to 7 in the morning, one of the profs told me. He didn't want to work on Dallas seminary time, so he'd come early to his office and write all of his books from 5 to 7. Now, what's interesting, I asked him, I said, well, what, when did he take vacation? He said, oh, he never took over half a day vacation. Okay, what else? Well, you know when Dr. Walford was hired by Lewis Chafer, Lewis said, we can't pay you, John. We have no money. This is 19, about, oh, it was around 1935. Uh, the economy wasn't booming in Dallas. And uh, so Walbert's there, and Chafer has the contract. He said, now, John, I must tell you, this is only a formality for the, there's no money in the bank. We have no money. We want you to teach, but we can't pay you. What did John do? John went and took a Presbyterian church in Fort Worth, signed the contract, and he was a wimpy kind of man because he only stayed 65 years. One of the moving things, I worked for a president of a small school, little money, a lot of work. He was not an academic, but he'd do anything. Sometimes I'd pull up on that campus. I was trying to be the academic. I sure didn't know what to do about fixing stuff. And I'd pull up. Sometimes you could find the president of the school digging a sewer line, doing this. He may be fixing the sewer. He'd get any faculty member or the vice president he had, Carolyn's uncle. They'd be down. You see him in ditches. And here I'm supposed to be the dean. What are you doing, Carl? You're the president. We don't have any money, and whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. I can fix this sewer line. We've got to make it. What a profile, the president of the school down in a dirty ditch repairing a sewer line. There's something great about seeing any form of service. Listen, and I close. Denny, James Denny said this in 18, about 1860. There have been men so clever that God could make no use of them. They could never do his work because they were so lost in admiration of their own work. But God's work never depended on them, and it does not depend on them now. It depends on those who, when they see Jesus Christ, become unconscious once and forever, of all that they have used to call their own wisdom and their strength. The supreme law of the kingdom is still the glory of God and not the glory of the clever man. Are you wearing the apron? Are you a rev? Are you in love with status and position, but your hands aren't dirty? You love God, you just can't stand people. Can't get touched. Too holy. No, you're too proud. You're no better than my Savior. He's the model. Life forever in Jesus Christ. 
That's the title of our series here in the book of John. And we trust our time together today has encouraged you in Christ as we work our way through this wonderful gospel. It is our hope and prayer that chapter 20 and verse 31 will come to bear on your own heart and mind, that you understand why John wrote what he wrote for the purpose of believing and having life eternal in Christ. To review a copy of today's program or to obtain the entire series, we would ask you to get in touch with us here at Truth For Today, and there are a couple of ways to do so. You can call us at 855-833-9864, or you can stop by our website, valleybible.org, and take advantage of the resource materials that we have posted there as well. You're also welcome to write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, the zip code 94547. And as always, your gifts make a great difference here at the ministry. No matter how large or how small, your financial contributions to this ministry allow us to continue presenting the gospel here on KFAX. As a TFT sustainer, we would also like to pass along your way a quarterly newsletter along with our once-a-year special gift and access to Take a Break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional that we have. Again, these are all just simple ways of saying thank you for supporting us financially, realizing that this broadcast is presented daily here on KFAX through your financial involvement as well as your prayerful support. One other note as we close out our time together today, we would like to invite you to join us for worship here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules. You can find out all of the details and directions at our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. We thank you for spending time with us today. As always, it is a pleasure to share God's Word with you. And we look forward to the next time when we can do it again here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Phil Howard.